0: welcome to Oasis. I'll say it again. I realized this week that often I'm up here and I greet you every week and I never introduce myself. So my name is Jaina Gourmong. I am the student ministry worship pastor here at Grace Point. Um, And I absolutely love that I get to be here and get to be with you guys tonight. So like Brennan said, I'm finishing out our series called Framework. Taken up the last week. Before we get into that, let's do a quick recap of what this series has looked like. Help us to get back in the mindset if we missed a week or if you just need a reminder because six days is a really long time sometimes. So the first week, kickoff um, Sunday, Brennan talked about how if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to know who he is. Anytime we follow something, we got to know what we're following. Otherwise, we're just blindly and walking into the unknown. So we need to know Jesus in order to follow him. That second week, Ben kicked off on our discipleship pyramid, looking at what does private discipleship look like, outlining how we don't want to be above God, below God, taking from God, or simply giving to God, but we want to be in God. We want to be with God in communion with him. And then last week, Brennan brought week three, where he broke down what it looks like to be in personal and communal discipleship in small groups, Bible study size, and then also to step into uh, what we call bands, a group of three to five people where we have intentional faith growth life lived together. And so tonight, I'm going to finish off that pyramid, but before we get into tonight's specific content, I wanted to do something fun, do a little illustration to help us keep in mind what we've been learning over the last couple weeks. So I'm going to invite some friends. I'm going to invite Brennan and Jordan to come help me with this. Give them a round of applause as they come. (laughs) All right, we got this lovely rope. Brennan, I'll have you on that side, Jordan on this side. All right, so right now we're gonna do a little tug of war and we're gonna equate this tug of war experience to discipleship. So Brandon over here is gonna represent our Christian uh, man. He's trying to grow in discipleship, grow in his faith and the challenge sometimes that we face in discipleship can look like this, go for it. I need you to, like, cheer. Okay, there we go. Okay, spread it back out. So sometimes when we do discipleship one-on-one by ourselves, it can be hard. It's not impossible to win. Brendan could have won by himself. Um, but as we've talked about, we're not meant to do faith on our own. We need people around us. So let's get Brennan a couple friends to help him. So I'm going to call Dylan and Devin and Mason and Blake. Yeah. Let's go. Give them a round of applause. There we go. All right, I need you guys to like cheer for them this time. It was like awkwardly quiet last time. So who do you guys think is gonna win? Brennan and his gang or Jordan? <laughs> all right, let's count them down. Three, two, one, go. All right, all right, you can, that's enough. You're gonna fall into the wall. Sweet. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you guys for being good sports. (laughs) Sweet. So that's a really simple illustration, but it's kind of fun to help us to see that um, sometimes when we go at faith alone, we might win, we might succeed, but it's a little bit harder than if we had people around us to help. And I didn't do this because it would be impossible in this space, but how much easier would it have been for Brennan to tackle that challenge if every single one of us had joined him? Like Jordan would have said no chance whatsoever if he was smart, he would have just given up and said, I'm not even gonna try. And so tonight we're talking about this final piece of our discipleship series, this corporate congregational discipleship. We'll look at that pyramid if they wanna put it back up to help us get back into the framework of this. Oh, I said the title, framework, look at that. That was unintentional. So private, personal, communal, corporate, congregational. I might use those words interchangeably tonight, but we're referring to the same thing. So let's set a definition. What are we talking about when we talk about corporate congregational? We're talking about any of those times where the larger body of Christ joins together. So tonight, right here in this place, this is congregational discipleship happening. Anytime you come to church on a Sunday morning here or whatever your local church may look like, or if you're part of any type of gathering of Christians, Christian believers. And so why is this important? We've been talking about discipleship. We've been talking about holistic discipleship. Let's look at that definition that we've been using this whole time. It says that discipleship is being spiritually formed into the image of God for the glory of God and for the sake or the good of others. So why corporate? Why does it matter that we come to church? Why does it matter that we're part of the larger body? I've got Jesus, that's all I need, or maybe I'm in a small group, or I've got a couple friends I do this with, but why is being a part of the corporate gathering important? When we look at statistics today and what's happening in our culture, there's two or three key things that are starting to show up. When um, they do a survey of religious affiliations, Millennials and Gen Z, which is us, are the most likely group to check none, that they have no religious affiliation whatsoever. But we also consistently check that we participate in spiritual practices. So we pray, we meditate, we do things like that, spiritual things, we have a sense of faith, but we have no religious affiliation and we're not part of the church. At the same time, we're seeing a rise in mental health issues, in religious and secular um, divisions, Uh, we're seeing all kinds of just nasty stuff happen in our world. And I think part of the problem is this, is that we're trying to do faith, we're trying to be spiritual, faith-believing people, but we're doing it alone, outside of the church, with no accountability, no one beside us, no one doing this with us. And I feel like we said it every week and we say it all the time, And you're probably gonna get tired of it, but our faith is not an individual faith. It requires us to be in community with others. And so tonight, I'm gonna push back on this idea a little bit that we don't need to be in the church. We don't need congregational discipleship. And our big idea is this for tonight. It's that we are formed into the image of God and continue his mission when we meet together. So we're going to dive into scripture, because that's the best place to get any information we need. So we're going to be in Acts 2 tonight. If you want to pull out your Bible, start to find that. It'll be on the screens, as always. Um, but let me set us up with a quick synopsis of what's taking place. So the book of Acts recounts the stories of the early church as it was developing, as it was coming about to be. In Acts 2, right at the beginning, uh, begins with the account of the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost is this day that happened about a week after Jesus had ascended into heaven and promised that he was sending another adversary to come on our behalf and come alongside us. And so that's what happened. The Holy Spirit on this day came down from heaven, rested on the people that were present. They had this super crazy Holy Spirit charismatic experience that is super fun to read about and study. But then from that, they're set up with the foundation to begin to build the church and to begin to meet. And so that's where we're gonna drop in right at this chapter and read, read a little bit about what happened when they met. So starting Acts 2, uh, verse 42 says, "'They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching "'and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. "'Everyone was filled with awe "'at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. "'All the believers were together "'and had everything in common. "'They sold property and possessions "'to give to anyone who had need.' Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So let's unpack this for a second. I think there's four key things that happen in this quick, short five or six verses. Um, let's, Let's look at it. So the first thing that takes place is that when the apostles taught... God worked. So they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and God showed up and he was present and he did miracles and mighty signs and wonderful things in their midst and they were filled with a sense of awe and wonder. Additionally, they were unified in their reason for gathering and cared for each other's need. The word in there is common and that comes from the word koinonia, which is also translated as fellowship a lot of the time. And it's just this simple we're together. It's a togetherness. We have a commonality. And they took it so far to the extent of like selling their possessions and caring for those in need and being present in each other's lives and knowing what was going on in life. Thirdly, they were consistent in their meetings because they were devoted to each other and to Christ. And their consistency looked like meeting in the synagogue, the church building, so to speak, every day. Every single day they did that. And they broke bread together in their homes. So they're more or less doing every part of day, every part of life together, consistently devoted to each other, consistently devoted to God. Lastly, they focused on God and delighted in each other's presence. They lived life together, broke that bread, like I just said. They prayed, they spread the gospel, and like it says right at the end, God added to their number daily of people who were being saved because they continued on their mission and they continued to do what God wanted to do. It's easy anytime we read the Bible to look at it and say, okay, well, that's like 2,000 some years old. What are we supposed to do with this? How is this significant? And I think what's beautiful about this particular piece of scripture is not only did it set a foundation for the church that we followed for all of those years after, but it helps to pinpoint some specific ways that corporate um, gatherings disciple us. And so that's what we're going to get into. I added five. I know I only listed four things that happened, but I broke one in half. So... Five specific ways that corporate gatherings disciple us. First, just like for them, the Spirit is present whenever and wherever we gather. Just like on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit was present with them, the Spirit is present in this place. Tonight, last Sunday, next Sunday, and every Sunday when we gather— The spirit is here. He's eager. He's excited. He's ready to work and do things. He wants to do miracles and reveal himself in crazy, awe-inspiring ways. And he desires for us to be filled with that awe, that wonder of who God is. Secondly, the gathering of God's people pushes back against individual faith. It destroys that mindset that I've got Jesus. I don't need anything else. I don't need to come to church every single Sunday. I can do it all by myself. But the reality is we need people. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We're built to build each other up to encourage and challenge in healthy ways so that we all become better. If you look all throughout scripture, there are so many accounts of the greats of faith, those that we model our life after that reveal that they needed people to do it with them as well. From the very, very beginning of time, Adam in the garden, complete unity with God, perfect place he could be. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. He needs a helper. He needs a companion. And he gave him Eve. Throughout the Old Testament, we get the story of David who becomes king, but prior to that, he's on the run constantly. He's going to be murdered by the current king who's evil, and he has his best friend, Jonathan, who comes alongside, who provides protection, who warns him of when he's in danger, helps to hide him. He has a whole army of men who protect him and care for him. Additionally, Brennan talked about last week the story of Jesus, who had the three disciples that he was close to, were present with him that got to be in intimate moments that he discipled and they discipled him and then he had the 12, a bigger group, who were present with him and then he had another 70 and even into the hundreds of people who continued to follow, being present, living life together, building each other up in the ways of God. And then lastly we can see from Paul who is the early church father, the first uh, one to really help get the church going after Jesus had left and he had so many people helping him. Timothy, Barnabas, Mark, people in churches in local congregations, congregations meaning like homes where they were meeting, who he encouraged them in their faith and they encouraged him and they spurred each other on to continue to do the work that God has put out for them to do. Corporate gathering pushes back against the idea that we can do this on our own. We need each other. Third, the corporate gathering takes our eyes off of ourselves and reorients them towards those around us. It can be really easy in our day and age to get caught up in what's happening in our lives. All of us face hardship, all of us face difficulties, we've got school, we've got work, we've got relationships, we've got family, we've got all these things that take up our time, our energy, and it can be incredibly easy to simply just look inward and focus on ourselves. But when we take our eyes off of ourselves, off of our own victim mentality, and see those around us, we see people with the exact same struggles. People who are going through hardship, people who are struggling with mental health, people feel alone, people experience a loss, people are scared for their health. We could keep going, I could list on for the next four hours if we wanted to. And when we look up from ourselves and see the people around us who are hurting and in need, and they're part of our community, they're part of our corporate family, our corporate gathering, it should spur within us to care for those around us, to provide for needs where we can, to give someone a ride, or offer up a coat, or whatever their need may be, or simply to be just a friend to listen. This corporate gathering helps us to create that space, create those relationships where we can come alongside each other. Fourthly, as the church gathers, we declare individually and corporately the reality of the gospel. The corporate gathering is one of the greatest places to study the Bible, because you are lucky enough to get somebody who does all the work for you and then just comes and hands it to you. And that's not to say that us as preachers are any better than you, because we can all learn from each other at all times. Some of the most inspiring things I've ever heard have come from non-educated Bible, Bible scholars um, who just simply said, hey, God's been showing me this. When we're in this corporate place, we get to study the word. We get to get in depth with it. We get to listen to a sermon. We get to hear from teachers and each other. We get to then later ask questions of our friends and learn together and grow in this faith. And then lastly, the fifth thing that I think that the corporate gathering disciples us in is that from this place, we are empowered and sent out to continue the mission of Christ, spreading the gospel and inviting people into the family of God. So just like at the end of Acts chapter two, the same, we can have the same experience, that the Lord may add to our number daily those who are being saved, that we get to live out the, mis- the mission when we leave this place. And that's why every week I'm intentional, Ben's intentional, whoever's leading at the end of a service is intentional about saying you're sent out. You're not dismissed, this isn't a class, you weren't sitting in lecture, you weren't forced to be here. You came to experience the presence of God, to be in his presence, to be in the community and so when we're sent out from this place, we're sent out to continue the work that God is doing within us, through us, and with those around us. All of these things disciple us and the corporate gathering provides them and you can find some of those in smaller groups as well. And so a good worship service will be a place where you can be discipled, and everything that takes place in this corporate gathering should push you in discipleship of those areas. So let's look at the specific things we do. If we say it's going to disciple us, we might as well look at the things that we do while we're here. These are in no particular order, but we sing. We worship through music. Why do we do it? When we gather as one body and we lift up one voice in that unity, in that commonality, declaring these words together, we're discipled. The songs that we sing aren't just because they're fun or because they have cool drum parts or like somebody can sing really well. It's because the words that we sing reveal to us the character of who God is. They give us words to declare about his nature give him glory, give him honor. They reveal to us the hope that we can have in him, our identity that we find in him, and so many other variety of topics. And if you're anything like me, usually the song is what sticks in your head all week. Like, no offense to, like, people who preach, but, like, I'm gonna remember the songs more than anything else, honestly. But all throughout these week, the week, these songs are continuing in my head, and these words are formulating my thoughts and my heart about God. I mean, even if you look at the songs that we sang tonight, there's nothing that our God can't do. No mountain he can't move, no prison wall he can't break through, nothing he can't do. And because of that, we get to say, I will believe in greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Or we get to sing, heaven's all around, Jesus is near. I can feel it now, your kingdom is here. And we get to pray and declare together, come and move how you want to. Come and make the old brand new. We get to declare these things as one body and maybe sometimes it's hard to declare those things. Maybe you are not in a place to sing some of that, but they can formulate your thoughts, formulate your heart and give you direction. A second thing that we do in these corporate gatherings is we pray. If you look back to that second week of this series and how Ben taught us to pray and to be in community with God, our prayers are that. They allow us to be with God. They allow us an opportunity to intercede on the behalf of those around us. That as you know, the, the hurts or the struggles or even the celebrations of your friends, the people you've come with, you can lift those up to God. Lifting up those around you, praying, being in community with God, drawing near to him. Thirdly, the third thing we do is that teaching. That studying of the word together. It's an incredibly powerful and moving moment when we take the opportunity to learn, to sit underneath someone else and say, I want to hear what you have to say because you've done the work or you have the insight and I want to learn. Fourth, uh, we fellowship. We spend time together. We live life together. We know each other. That occurs in the foyer before and after service or as you're waiting for service to start, you're sitting and talking with each other. You're asking questions. Hopefully you're getting to know those that you maybe have met for the first time you came in tonight, or maybe you came with a friend and you catch up about something that happened throughout the week, or just check in on them. As we live life together, again, we get to know what each other are going through, we get to be there for each other, provide needs, or simply just care. And lastly, this is a little added one, but in Acts, they committed themselves to the breaking of bread referring to communion, referring to those sacraments, those rituals of the church that allow us to draw near to God and to celebrate with each other. And So two specific ones that we practice here at Grace Point are baptism and communion. And baptism is that opportunity to celebrate with those who've come before God, who've declared, I want to be in the kingdom of God. I want to draw near to him. I want to be in his family. I'm committed to that. And when we celebrate that together, it's a joyful moment to invite them in and those of us who've been baptized before, we can take that time to, to stop and remember and thank God and celebrate for what he's done in our own lives. Additionally, as we practice communion, as we take that breaking of the bread, which you probably noticed we're gonna do tonight, but we get to remember what Christ has done on the cross, the sacrifice that he has given for us. We get to celebrate in the promise of eternal life that we have with him, that he's coming back to be with us. And we get to eat as a family, probably one of the few meals that we can all do together. But every part of what we do in these corporate worship gatherings provide a discipleship moment. But we have to choose to step into that. We can't just show up and expect it to happen. We have to come with expectancy, with intentionality, with purpose that we want to be discipled. We wanna be in the presence of God, we wanna learn from each other, we wanna learn from God. Discipleship isn't just gonna be given to us, we have to choose it, we have to desire it, and we have to pursue it. And so I wanted to pose these questions to us tonight because I think this is probably something all of us can grow in. Probably none of us are perfect as showing up and being corporately discipled. I'm not, so I hope that none of you are either. But here's some questions to ponder. How are you participating in the various discipling practices of our corporate gathering? Are you showing up with the expectant for God to speak and move? Are you engaging in musical worship by singing and praising God, both with your physical expression and engagement, but also with your mental capacity? Are you praying? Are you being prayerful in those moments? Even when other people are praying, are you listening and hearing and agreeing with them? Are we listening and learning during teaching? Are you, do you come wanting to be a learner, wanting to grow, are you taking notes or doing whatever memory tools you need to help you to walk away and not just let it be something that fell on deaf ears? Are you connecting with people? Are you hanging out in the foyer? Are you checking in with your friends? Are you saying hello to that new person you've never seen before who might be standing by themselves? Are you living life with others and then lastly as we leave this corporate gathering are you being sent out to continue the work that God has begun in you and wants to do through you That is, this isn't just a place you come on Sunday and check it off your box and then Monday morning comes and you don't think about it again until Sunday afternoon the next week but is what is happening here is what God's teaching you here, the fellowship you're having, the words that you're seeing, are they going with you into everyday life and shaping how you live in this world, how you respond to other people, how you love others and live as a Christian? God uses the church to fulfill his mission. He's been doing it for the beginning of time until now, he's gonna continue to do it and we get to choose to step into that choose to be a part of it, knowing that it's important, knowing that it's going to disciple us, help us to grow and to become the people that God desires for us to be. That as we're discipled, we're spiritually formed into the image of Christ and for the glory of God and the good of others, like we just keep saying, that's what's going to happen when you engage in this corporate gathering. And so we're going to take communion tonight as part of our active worship as part of our corporate discipleship and the band's going to come up and they're going to get set and we're going to continue to be discipled in these various ways and so let me give some logistical directions for this if you've not done this with us before or even it's been a while um, since we've taken communion you'll see we've got four tables up here at the front and then up in the balcony there's some stuff up there for you guys you guys can go and get those at whatever uh Way you want to do so but if you're here on the floor if you're in these two um, sections starting at the front rows and working our way back we'll have you just exit the row to the left come up to your table grab your elements go back to your seat same thing over here on the right from the front to the back exit your row to the right grab your elements and circle back around and then i'm going to ask you to hold them don't take them right away just hold the elements as the band leads us in this moment of worship would you just take some time to pray Draw before God. Ask him to speak to you, to reveal to you what maybe he wants to do. Maybe challenge you with one of those questions about how you're engaging in this corporate discipleship moment. Um, Maybe even make the words, the lyrics of this song, your prayer tonight. And then I'll come back up in a moment and we'll partake together as one family. Um, I just realized, I forgot, if you need gluten-free, there is some gluten-free here. So, feel free to come and grab that. But let me uh, speak these words over you um, as you prepare to take um, the elements. So, I'll have you bow your heads um, and then we'll begin. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying,
1: Crucified to make me whole again. I will recall the cup poured out in sacrifice. I walk salvation low, with fear and tremble your way born as my own as Christ is born in me I
0: For you, take and eat. Another cup. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Father, we thank you that you have given us many ways of being discipled. That this corporate gathering is is one of those that can set a foundation for us to dive deeper into small groups, into bands, to even press into that one-on-one discipleship with you. And so I pray that as we uh, close out this series with the things that we've learned, the ways that we've even put into practice, drawing near to you, to growing in faith, growing in understanding of who you are. Would you help us to continue in that process that as we're sent out from this place each and every single week and tonight too, that we can be sent out to continue the work that you've started. And so even now, as we continue to worship in these songs, God, with the words that we sing um, just stir within our hearts to give you praise, give you honor, glory. We love you and we thank you
1: for this night and it's in your heavenly name that we pray and everyone set together.